0: Yo yo yo. That's your cue to say something back. <laughs> are we still recording? Uh. I'm <laughs> like
1: like talking to G. my sister's
0: kids or something over here.
1: <laughs> what are you doing? Alright, let's, let's start one more time. Right on. We see you know what we need, like we're talking, we need that. Meat music intro so that we know that we're actually starting like is he talking to me is he talking to me? is that my turn who else am i talking to who else am i talking to <laughs> I oh that's funny it's just me and uh.
0: there's nobody all else. right you ready let's do it yo yo yo
1: hey good morning good morning <laughs> see that sound uh. a tired sound like you just woke me Jeez. up uh. Jesus. All right. Radmix.
0: Radmix. Rad Rad mix. Radmix is a product that is a phenomenal product that we haven't talked about a lot. But due to recent conversations on Facebook about the economics of maker mix pre blended for a lot of companies,
1: Radmix solves that problem. So do you want to talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Radmix is a fantastic product. We, yeah, we have not focused this on a lot. I think that our focus has been really on fully pre-blended materials, which you know d- uh, undeniably have their place. We've talked about the economics of it, which I totally understand. Some pushback based on those economics. A very very viable brought is Radmix. Radmix. What is which, Radmix? Well, that's a good. What yeah, is Radmix? So, our, well, our. Well, that's a, even a bigger question. Our focus has been on UHPC materials. We've had these in other b- podcasts. The idea that you're creating a mix, not just solely based on strength for us, is high density. Uh, with that high density, you get better color saturation. You're able to cast thinner. You know, higher flexural strengths. You know, all these things they get coupled. More with stain that. resistance. So, yeah higher stain resistance in, in this case we're you know strongly into ICT for its its natural kind of thing what it does with the concrete reacting with the concrete long-term durability scratch and wear so where does radmix fit in there you know there's there's plenty of companies out there that for one reason or another and we can state a lot of them they're using sands that they sands that maybe have been part of their aesthetics for a very long time or maybe they're using recycled glass and have been doing that for a long time. Uh, gray portland cement is maybe a big part of what they're using. Uh, and then ultimately some economics. so we can wrap a whole lot of things into this. so radmix fits in because you can achieve i would say within reason pretty close similarities To what the fully blended materials have done taking into mind that the rad mix incorporates all the fine materials that goes into the uhpc design that maker mix is so it has your fine particle fills those are you know your really fine sands and there's four of them you know all in your micron sizes your shrinkage reducers and your defoamers your, I mean, there's no secret around that Maker Mix, let's say, kicks very nicely. It doesn't sit around for four hours. So it's got some kickers and some specific uh, illuminants that are in Maker's Mix that, that are in the Rad Mix. So Rad Mix is a fantastic alternative. So somebody who wants to, number one, even downsize all their admixtures, get the kind of workability that you can get within reason towards the maker mix, but using the admixture formulation.
0: I think customization for guys that want a lot more control over their mix, it's awesome, but you kind of hit on economics. We've had a couple customers in Canada in the last week reach out about Kodiak Pro products for them and we kind of ran some numbers on it and it does make sense financially for guys that are very, very price conscientious on their mix, which I get that, If time is not such a big factor in the equation of cost, which for a lot of guys it isn't a huge factor, then batching your own mix using rad mix and your own sands and your own Portland financially is, is very cost effective.
1: While still moving into a very superb product. End product is what I'm talking about, meaning the concrete. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So you're getting the benefits
0: of Kodiak Pro technology using your own Portland and sands with a super high performance admixture that moves your product to a higher quality level for stain resistance, flexural density, color. Um, what, what would you call that? Color density or color?
1: Uh, how I call it color that? saturation. You know, I like we to another podcast. Yeah, that, you know, guys have found in their shops <clears throat> that they ended up in a, you know, using less pigment to, get similar colors by by increasing the density of their mix so that that's what rad mix would do as well so a lot of benefits of using the rad mix yeah without even getting into slurry most of us including myself you know i I use rad mix that's why i bring it in i use it in my slurry formulas It makes for a beautiful slurry very creamy dense slurry fills quickly dries quickly you know so i can I, I don't know if we've done this on a podcast, but using ICT with the maker mix combo, rad mix in my slurry, you know, I'm casting on a Monday, processing, start the priming process, sealing on Tuesday, and then finishing the cure of the concrete. And then I'm ready for install with most things by Thursday with no problem at all. And to achieve that, that's the combination of materials and, and why I'm doing it. So. We haven't even talked about that end of efficiency either yet. That's a whole other podcast
0: because there's a lot that goes into that. But, yeah, it's a holistic family of products that all work well together that allow you to move through the process very quickly and end up with a very high-quality product.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that's that's something like – there's no question. I think we need to focus – or when I say focus, I mean get – good information out on the idea i think most people are all using admixtures of some sort when i say admixtures i mean you know super this or whatever the case may be and they're doing it to achieve what they think is a performance in their concrete so radmix would outperform everything along that kind of line but still bridge a lot of that gap in the you know i'm gonna say you know the, the the price argument if you will.
0: That brings me to one other thing, John, is free samples, because this has come up recently, is there's been some people that have reached out to us that want us to send them free samples. We don't do that. And the reason we don't do that is the materials that we use are very expensive and our margins aren't that great in these products, meaning that we don't have a whole lot of profit built into them. And so we can't afford as a small company to send out products to guys To test. But what we do offer, and and so in the past, what's happened to me is I've wanted to test a product, and they say, well, you have to buy five gallons of sealer, you have to buy a whole pallet of this to test it. And I get that, but that's very, very prohibitive to test something. But what we do have is we have Joe Bates, who will sell you a single bag. So you don't have to make this massive investment. So you can call up Joe, you can get one bag, test it out, see if it works for you. And then at that point, you can. Make the jump and buy a pallet of product for your mix, right? Well, again,
1: I've been. And in you this have game a different view on that. Concealer. I do have a different view. <laughs> uh, other than the same about the economics of thing is you know, which I totally understand. You know, most people, especially in a small company, they they don't they don't get a view of what's going on behind the scenes to develop these kind of materials, right? So. I'm a believer in having some skin in the game. so there's there's a reason that I don't even give Sealer out for free. I, over the years, I've had plenty, of, hey, well, you know, I just you know send me some and I want to try it. and And then, as just happened a couple weeks ago when I was running a you know trying some new things with some vendors and and this is an ongoing thing, especially now with Covid, raw materials not being available or can't get, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Is you can go down a rabbit hole as a small manufacturer and blow through $10,000 of your investment because you had to fix somebody, something. And then someone wants you to send them something for free. You sent it, which I have done in the past, under the idea that they were going to give you feedback, but then you don't hear from them for four weeks. Turns out that that sample just, you know, they got it in, it sat on their shelf, it didn't go anywhere. And then ultimately, quite frankly, <laughs> it boils down to, I get my feelings hurt. Like, wait a minute. So no, uh, that is not my thing. I, I'm, I am so confident in the ability of these materials. I am so beyond confident on what they can achieve and how they can achieve it that going out and having to prove it to somebody anymore for me, it, it's, it's just not in my wheelhouse. It's not. and it hasn't been for yeah. a very long time. I get
0: that. I get both sides of it. As a company myself, I've wanted to try things in the past and I wanted it for free. Of course, you want it for free. Hey, send it to me for free. But you're right. If I didn't pay for it, I don't have a lot of, I don't have a whole lot of value or I don't, I don't see that sample as valuable and I'm not in a hurry to test it. And I don't know, just whatever, it's free. If I paid for that sample, well, now I'm actually going to try it. I'm going to test it. I have some, as you say, skin in the game, and I'm much more likely to actually give it a, give it a go and evaluate it and see if it's something I want to use
1: because I paid for it. When people have reached out to me, let's say the first time they're moving to ICT from you know for whatever reasons they were moving to it, they purchase a court or in this you know now with the new Prime they purchase these things. They get it into their hands, uh, they run it, maybe maybe they use it based on whatever type of methods that they're used to. But I can tell you, when they paid for it, if they don't achieve the results that they were hoping for, good, bad, or otherwise, even if it was, if it was better results than the, what they were hoping for, I get feedback. I get the phone call. And that, to me, is, is huge. That's what I look for. What I don't want is to send something to somebody, and then I never hear from them again whether it was good, bad, or otherwise, I'm going to no say I don't example. want to sound like a jerk about it, saying. but that's a big no for me. So, so I mean, that, that is a fantastic conversation. And, you know, the, uh, the, the part of all of this, probably with any company, it was there was a comment made to me not long ago by a person. And the comment, I'm paraphrasing, the comment was along the lines of, you know, hey, You know, I, I charged my clients for money or no, no, I make money off my clients, you know, not off my concrete brothers or something like that. I'm not going to say I took that overly personal, but there was a side of me that hit along that comment being made. And one way I understand it, but then I just wanted to fall back along lines we've talked about before would be, all right, well, you know, what materials are you getting and who are you purchasing them from? Some major conglomerate, some massive company, or are you are you purchasing materials from people in this niche industry people who have you know put their heart and soul their finances and time on the line to bring some amazing things based on that experience for everybody to use and then supporting them along that path see i'm a big I'm a big proponent of supporting so
0: absolutely yeah.
1: It's like buying from your local farmer's market
0: versus buying from Walmart. Right. You know, if you're, if you're buying your products from Lafarge or QuickCrete or any other company like that, you're supporting a big corporation. But if you're buying products from Kodiak Pro, you're supporting guys that actually do this for a living in the industry that you're in and who are actually probably one of the only companies pushing to develop new and better ways of doing things, new and better products. You yeah. know, so it's one of these things like, yeah, you want to support the industry that you're working in and the guys in that industry and not
1: not the mega corporation. What else, John? Well no, along the line of Radmix, let's uh let's give Brandon well, there's two things. Brandon is a one man show. Love to have that conversation with him. And, you know, let's talk rad mix with it. I think he's uses the mad mixtures and stuff and see how those things make fit in with it
0: awesome so Brandon Browning and Jackson Tennessee let's get him on the phone yo BB you
2: there I'm here uh, there you hey, go hey
0: Brandon how's it going What's
2: morning up? Up? morning Where are you at? I'm in Jackson, Tennessee.
0: So, yeah, so the whole format of the podcast really is just a conversation, more or less. And um, is is there something that you want to talk about that's on your mind, like something of interest to you or something that you've recently
2: struggled with or found success in? I mean, there's always there's always struggles. I mean, I struggle, struggle, you know, constantly. you know, right now I'm struggling, trying to figure out how to run a business, you know, by myself, you know, I'm, I have no employees and, you know, I'm trying to get big projects out by myself, but, you know, that's just, that's just overcoming, you know, hurdles, you know, that's part of owning a small business. But I mean, you know, I've, I've been working with the, the, the newer version of ICT that John's been, been working with and, and, you know, the, the new primer. Prime. And, yeah, yeah. The prime prime and I, I mean like just trying to dial it in trying to figure out m- my way because i mean i've been i've been with ict or you know i've been with the whole system since it was ict and you know the whole 15 step pro- process right john
1: yeah 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 <laughs> so, You've been all, yeah
2: because so, I, I, yeah, yeah. I mean i've yeah. you know that's that's one thing whenever i first started my business was you know find something that works and be good at it and you know yeah. through the years have seen how the ICT system has evolved into something so much better than it used to be you know and not having hardly any issues compared to 12 years ago trying to reinvent it every time I put it on
0: i think ICT is a great conversation we can hop into in a bit but i yeah. like the idea of talking about being a single person company and the struggles right. you face with that and maybe some solutions or uh, things that make it easier. Because I personally, I went from having six employees to three employees, <laughs> to two employees to one employee forever. Right. And now I'm down to just me. Right. And that to really do Yeah, I'm in the same with, boat. Yeah, that, well, I, I mean, built my shop. Three us are
1: paddling at the same <laughs> direction. Yeah,
0: yeah. Right. I built my shop in the middle of nowhere, Arkansas. like an idiot. And I can't find good help to save my life. Like it just doesn't exist. So, you know, in Phoenix, I'd put an ad up and I'd get 200 responses in an hour that were all phenomenal. And in Arkansas, I put an ad up and I get one response after three weeks from somebody that's weighing, do I want to work here or work at a chicken house? I don't know. And it's like,
2: bro, you don't get it. And my thing is, is, you know, you have, you have resources for outsourcing help. But the thing is, is they're not consistent. You know, if you, if you do a temp agency, you know, you, one, you're reaching into a dark bag and you don't know what you're going to pull out or what they're going to send you. And then you have to deal with retraining somebody every other day or every other week or however long you need them and not knowing if they even have that knowledge or, or care to do what you need them to do. And I'm very security minded. And yeah, so too.
0: having a stranger in my shop that I don't know, I, I don't like that. I don't like somebody coming to my shop that I don't trust as a person, you know. So temp agencies, I've never actually even used one. I have buddies mm. that have construction companies that use temp guys all the time. But it's always like, yeah, you'll you'll get 10 temp guys and one will work out. Another nine show up for the first day, don't show up the second day. They just walk off the job site. You kick them off the job site. And I'm like, uh,
2: I don't even want to go down that road. Right, right. Yeah, I've I've never used them either, just for that simple fact, fi- you know, that, that whole fact right there, and then I'm so OCD with everything I do, um, just because I've, you know, I've developed it to a point where I, I I know how things flow, and I don't want people coming in here trying to change that, you know, it's just... You know, or somebody coming in here and me having to babysit them. I mean, I don't want to have to babysit somebody. I want them to be able to come in here, take direction, and get it done.
1: What size you know, shop are you working out of? I mean, are you again uh, one of the guys out of your home? Do you have two thousand? No, square I've feet?
2: got a yeah, I've got a I've got a five thousand square foot shop. Oh, there so you I've go. So a, you got plenty of room to take <laughs> on some big projects, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, that's. I mean, you know, me and me and Michael took on that big bar project. Last year, I mean, we spent three months just in my shop building forms. <laughs> and They were stacking up, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I've and got you say, Michael, room. Michael Carmody, Michael Carmody, yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah.
0: Well, that project you guys did plaster
2: forms, correct? Is that what you did? We did, we did plaster. We 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 really went through um, about two years ago. I got I got offered this job and took the bid on, and really, you know, my mindset. In the concrete world, is there's no job that's undoable. It's it's just finding the right tools to do it. You know, you know, I tell everybody I'm I'll I'll try anything once. And you know, I took this job on, not not really grasping the whole aspect of how massive this project was going to be, and what was really being asked of me. So, I took it on, and then the closer it got to it. Um, I just in my head just thinking how am I going to pull it off and every time I thought about it Michael came to my mind um, I've known Michael for a long time and have always really admired him and his his knowledge I mean you sit down with Michael and you'll talk about concrete non-stop <laughs> and you'll cut co- you'll walk away from it being like shit. I thought I knew something about concrete we got into it and first we started thinking you know we'd do like a foam mold and then that just was just too costly for the extent of for the size of that bar started looking at some stuff that buddy had done years ago and looking at some other videos on youtube he's like let's try plaster neither one of us knew anything about plaster didn't know (laughs) didn't know how it how it reacted you know we're like it's similar to concrete but but we found out real quick that it's 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 completely a different beast than than concrete is altogether. Collaborating with him and then getting him to my shop was a real cool experience and you know, just building sample forms and, and everything in my shop and he did a lot of the, the computer work that that was involved in it. And I mean without without his computer knowledge, that that job
1: would have never would have never gotten to where it did just so you know people listening when you're talking plaster
2: mm-hmm.
1: i can't even remember i mean you're talking you pulled plaster for the i'm going to call it the bullnose right and that bullnose yeah. well, the whole I mean, thing. It was huge. it's like a double it's yeah. like a curve and then
2: a bullnose yeah yeah it was it, it had two big curves on each end of it and then it was a 16 it was a 16 inch radius bullnose that fell down underneath and then we had to incorporate into that same form a area that was recessed for under lighting for lighting built-in lighting um which was the the beast of the whole once we figured out how to do the curve the curve was fine it was easy it was building the formwork for that lighting could underneath. you end up just doing foam to create that knockout we did foam but we have we also had to incorporate that that same knockout because we we use sonotube we use sonotube and and a lot of a lot of um framework for the um for the actual inside of the bullnose but i mean we you know the the thing was 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 trying to keep down one you know keep down cost and keep down weight too so you know that bullnose all the way around there is right at or a little bit under one inch thick So it's not there. There's no full thickness anywhere. I mean, the whole thing is one inch, which was really, you know, to architects and stuff that were on site, really blew their mind. You know how how we could do all that and never lay a single piece of metal in our framework and just and be comfortable with it the way it is, because you know most people, you know, when they see stuff like that they think you know well, you're gonna lay ladder wire and metal conduit and whatever to to give yourself some structure but you know all of ours was was fiber field
0: is there was, a reason why you didn't do it cast in place because that's Carmody's method of choice when you well, can
2: it's it was kind of a hybrid it was kind of a it was kind of a hybrid because it was cast it was cast in place we just built forms off site
1: ah Gotcha. So that was yeah. That's what so, I remember. I remember you guys. Yeah, yeah you made all those, brought them in. Yeah. Um, and then dialed it in on site. So right. that was my question on a on a bull that deep at that thickness. That had to be a challenge getting the mix to drop down in there effectively. I mean, one of the things because I do quite a bit of cast in place is your big fear mm-hmm. that we're going to pull that mold and have a big old oh my god how did we not get mix in that spot you right, know what I mean right. Yeah. Right. How'd you guys handle that challenge? Um well in the design process of it for
2: the the actual reset or the, the the part that was that was taken away from the concrete, we we had little I think four inch gaps in between each section so that when we put our outer mold up to substrate that there was there was grooves or just Voids in between all the way, all the way around. We pretty much took Dixie cups. You think on an eighty foot on an eighty foot span, six people with five gallon buckets pouring a Dixie cup at a time in that thing all the way down, because we had to make it rise. We had to make it all rise at the same time, at the same level until it got to the top. So that was a that was about a three hour process, just. You know when and the, but the cool thing was is the the owners, you know owners the the contractors everybody was on site for this because it was it really gave them a, a really big appreciation for all the work that had been going on um, just because they were really pushing us to get it get it finished. But I mean you know we were doing this in the heat of COVID, so you know we were battling getting Michael back and forth from. From home to, to Memphis and trying to coordinate getting everything built on site at the same time. So, you know, but they came in. They they pretty much watched the whole process. They had you know a few of them came in, architects, a couple of the owners, and they actually got in there and got got dirty too, and 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 helped us fill this big massive <laughs> massive uh, bull nose. So that was a that was a cool experience just to see. People wanting wanting to participate, now, yeah, get it involved, got, right? It, it got Michael super excited over over that too. So, but yeah, it was definitely an experience to to and and then you know the next day coming in and crossing all of our fingers, going, I swear, I hope we don't have a big bubble in the middle of this thing the size of a football. <laughs> you know, dude, I remember Carmendy.
0: He's like the concrete Yoda. This guy. Years ago, I had to put in a 13-foot erosion sink in the back of a house, had to get craned over, dropped into a courtyard, wheeled in, and put on a countertop, all super tight uh, quarters to get this 13-foot erosion sink. And I called Carmendy, and he was at a bar. He's always at a bar when you call him. (laughs) I called him. He's at a bar drinking. And I said – dude, I got to get the sink in. It weighs like 800 pounds. And he's like, oh, it's light, you know, because for Carmody, 800 pounds is like lightweight. <laughs> right. And I'm freaking out. I'm like, dude, I don't know how to do it. I don't know, like how I'm going to get it down the hallway. And this is what he says. The problem is the source of the solution. And I was like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> right. He's like, I'll, I'll do a sketch. I'll send it to you. And he sketched this cart design that he had. And he on a napkin at the bar and he took a screenshot and sent it to me. It was genius. It was genius. He is, yeah, such a smart guy. So intelligent. One of the, one of the smartest guys I've ever met in my life, not just concrete, but just in general, he is such an intelligent person. And I love Carmody. He's a good guy. Well, back to being a single man shop. So what are the challenges you faced? Is it mixing, placing, flipping all of that? And how do you work
2: around it? I mean, it's, it's, it's all the above. I mean, it's, it's, it's all the way from the, you know, from the fabricating part of it to juggling multiple projects at the same time. Cause I have, you know, I have four tables in my shop. So, you know, I've got different projects on, on all these tables, but you know, with me, I'm, I'm severe ADD. So on top of OCD and, and God knows what else. So, OPP? Right. right. (laughs) (laughs) But trying to decide which project out of all the important projects takes priority, you know, and then knowing that, you know, okay, this one's got to be, I need to get this one on the table, but this one needs to get batched out, and this one needs to be getting poured today, and this one needs to be getting, you know, grouted and grinded and, and sealed and finished, so, you know, when you're a one-person shop, you've got, to, you've got to rotate that. You've got to, to merry-go-round that and, and try to make it as efficient as possible without getting yourself behind in work.
0: So I wrote down a list here. Let's just go through each bullet point and discuss how you approach that as a single-man shop. And same with you, John. How do you approach it? Mm-hmm. Number one is forming. When you're forming by yourself – What are some things that you do
1: to let you do that as a one-man shop? Well, I was just doing that yesterday, and I'm going to finish it up today. I don't know. To me, it's pretty simple. I'm just, you know, melamine uh, because of the – of course, I guess ultimately it depends on what the project is. You know, my porn is self-consolidating, but the one coming up is is more of a dusty creep kind of look. So that one's pretty simple, you know, pretty quick and easy. It's a vanity backsplash broken edges so that that's pretty simple i as opposed to i think we've had this conversation although i i did break it out yesterday i brought out my battery fest tool track saw which i don't use very often because i use a table saw and i'm just used to it so that to me is pretty simple pretty simple pretty efficient uh, although you know uh, how about you brandon yeah I, I mean you know as far as fabricating them you know that part of it is it's it's
2: easy as long as I can focus on that one thing and, 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 you know, get it knocked out. And if it's a big project, you know, I just, I start on it. I get it to the point where I can't do anything else to it until I'm done with this. And then I, I go back to it.
0: But so people that don't know you, as me and John were talking earlier. I told John, you're like the mountain on game of Thrones, you know, you're this <laughs> huge dude. So moving around 75 pound sheets of melamine for you isn't a big deal, but there's a lot of guys out there that aren't your size and strength right. that, that is more problematic. Me being one of them, you know, I'm not, I'm not some huge guy. And so what I'd say is being a one-man shop, a track saw makes all the difference in the world for form building and pocket screws because I can safely cut down a sheet of melamine to the parts that I need without pushing it through a table saw that could kick back on me. And then I can assemble the form by myself using pocket screws because more or less, once I get one in, it's holding itself up, and I can just go down the line and put the rest of the the parts in. So that's how I kind of get around it, where I used to have a table saw and two or three guys that could help maneuver stuff
2: around. Right. And, yeah, and then, you know, back to the, you know, melamine side of it, you know, it being heavy depending on where you depending on where you get your supplies i mean you know home depots and lows and i used to do this a lot too and i've gotten to where i don't anymore because i got a better stall but you can also get them to rip your you know more manageable for you to to get to your shop and then once you get in your shop you can actually move it around a little bit more i mean you can rip it you know, in half, or you can rip it in fours. You know, it, it, whatever, whatever you need to to make it easier for you to to move around. But, you know, like you said, the track saw. I bought one of those last year when we did when we did the the wiseacre project. And I mean, I I use it all the time. I love it. It was an investment choice that was really hard to make, but I'm glad I made it. Just just because I got to the point where I was like I. i I need it i need need one because michael had one and then when he go when he would go home i wouldn't have it in the shop so i just broke down and bought my own
0: forming is is the first thing the next thing is mixing so you're a one-man shop how you accomplish mixing concrete especially in mass if you're doing a big project by yourself
2: i pretty much stage everything out i just i get it you know i get i have a, a a room in the back of my shop that's for nothing but mixing so all my materials are all in that in that area so i set all my buckets out batch out i do my portland i do my mix my my ad mixes so on and so forth my color and have it all ready to go i have it all laid out beside my mixer and i just i mean it's just a. if i'm doing a big if i'm doing a big project it's a it's a rat race because i'm yeah Trying not to, you know, I don't want my, my, my mix to sit in my mixer too long, but I don't need my, my you know, because I do a lot of GFRC spray. So I don't want my face coat to get, you know, get dried out. So I'm, you know, I'm having to, to really run around my shop, but... Um, what kind of mixer are you using? I've got the
0: Imer 120. So, yeah, that's great for one man. Because
2: you can mix up to what, 200 and how many pounds in that at a time? I can, I could if I wanted
1: to, I could probably get about 300 pounds in it. Uh, yeah. I've easily gotten, let's say, well, one, two, three, you know, well, so four bags, four to six bags total, and then your water and everything, you know, if I'm using the pre-blend, which that's what I'm using is pre-blend. So what is that? that 300, 400 pounds? In and in a, if I'm doing an
2: SCC, you can push it even further. Yeah. See, I don't, I try not, if I'm doing the ECC, I try not to put over 250 in it just because that thing it'll bind it down but doing a gfrc or an scc mix i mean i can get you know i can get some heavy loads in there so you stage everything up and you have your eimer
0: 120 going and you're able to just kind of get a rhythm down to where it's mixing while you're doing this and when you're done with that you come over here and you dump it and you load it again and keep going you just kind of get that
2: that rhythm and, and, you know, with, with the, with the GFRC spray, you know, what I do is, is I have basically, I have a full load in my dry, ready to go with the water sitting beside it. And because I'm doing a spray face coat is I'll separate 25, 50 pounds, depending on the size of my project. And I'll separate 20 or 50 pounds to mix individually in a five gallon bucket. That way I can pour that. I've got it. I've got a rack set up for my gun, so I can set my gun in my rack, pour my mix into my gun, pick it up, and start spraying. Same time. So because I don't want my face to get to get dried out, I'll wait until I'm almost done with my whole spray my whole face before I go over and dump in my water and turn my mixer on. Um, that way I don't over mix it, but I don't let my face dry either. I don't miss those days, man. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, everybody's like, you just need to you need to to get poor. And I was like, I, I know. But it's almost like I don't want to lose that. You know, I, it took me a while to figure that that out, figure that. Yeah. That spray out. And I don't want to lose it because I love the art of it. You know, I love. Yeah. You know, that whole process. I used to love it. I loved it. Right. And then I came to hate it.
0: I mainly came to hate it because at one point in Arizona, I started doing a lot more production work to where we had to make 20 of something. And the problem with that type of thing is there's no consistency among 20 pieces. Right. It's just too too much chaos in a sprayed finish where SEC, if I'm making 20 sinks for ASU, all 20 sinks look exactly the same. Whereas right. by spray and hand pack, two or three look like this, two or three look like that. This one has a sandy corner. This one, the face coat delaminated and we had to do a little bit of slurry on it they were all too inconsistent to to do production right but it is what it is it definitely serves a purpose
1: john for you mixing what are you doing same 120 plus it's just quick it's efficient you know bang 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 it knocks out Uh, right now if you looked at my shop i have four mixers from those days of a lot of cast in place i'm getting ready to sell one of my old older 240s for that reason, because the 120 plus in the shop, is does everything for me now. For this conversation, as I've moved down to a one-man show, so, you know, good for you, Brandon. I, I'm not taking on big projects anymore. Yeah. So all my stuff now is, you know, vanities, at the most, maybe four to five bag mixes kind of idea. So they're pretty simple, meaning from a mixer point of view. And then <laughs> people would laugh. I don't even have a compressor with the capacity because I never got into GFRC. I mean, I saw the steps of that, and I'm like, man, there's no way. I mean, comparatively me speaking, I have one of those portables. That's that's the most I have to take on job sites, and that's it. I, I never invested in all that stuff. <clears throat> that makes it pretty easy for what I'm doing anyway, and yeah. it works for me. Brandon Browning, what are you using
0: right now as far as mix goes?
2: I'm using a Portland sand, and I'm I use I've got the I use the ZFRC Ultra Seals, some silica sand. I do the four the, twelve ten polymers. I mean, it's just kind of a basic mix, but it's it's something that's always worked for me. And I know Dusty Dusty keeps on saying you got to try this mix, you got to try this mix. I'm like, dude, but I've got a pallet of white Portland in my shop. I can't just set it to the side. But it's just, it's the mix that's, that's dialed in. And it's one of those things where sure. I'm just, I find something that works and I stick with it. I get nervous to try to change too much because I'm, I'm scared to feel like I'm going to start back over.
0: I agree 100%. What I would say in regards to the mix that you're using, and there's nothing wrong with it because I used a very similar mix for a long time. Two things. A is product obsolescence. There's going to be a time, at least so I've heard, that some of the products you're using won't be available any longer. Mm-hmm. Right. They're moving away from selling those products, that company. <clears throat> Number two is if you ever get a chance from Dusty, if you're down there, pick up a bag or two from him and play with it, it's just the, the density of the mix, maker mix, versus yeah. what you're using right now. It's a lot different. As Dusty will tell you, it's way, way denser than what he was using before. And how that translates to to your clients is – it's much more stain resistant, and the sealer itself, ICT, reacts a lot better with maker mix than it does with from scratch mixes per se.
2: Right. Well, every time I every time I go and we hang out for the weekend or for for a day or two, we we get to talking or drinking, and then I forget to even get the bag. But I mean, that's, <laughs> that's always been the plan. Every time I go down there, I was like, I got to get a bag of that, and then he's like, Yeah, you can get a bag. And then I go down there and drink too much and
1: forget about it. So, <laughs> Same thing along the materials line, because I was just listening to your batching and et cetera, you know, et cetera, et cetera, I don't think we've talked about it a whole lot, but you know, we do a Kodiak has the admixture that has all the let's say the finer ingredients in there. So mm-hmm. I mean, if you're sitting or a person, you know, is sitting on a, a pallet's worth of federal white or white yeah. cement and your sands and, and I totally understand that. I one hundred percent. Because you mentioned at least the, the powdered polymer that you were using, which mm-hmm. <laughs> a, a few of us could attest to some of the challenges with that particular ingredient Right. where uh, the other one does not have that. So mm, right. that to me would be… You know, finding the happy place was something that even you could adjust a little bit to find your happy place would be your similar to what you're doing. You're already using an admix, and you know you're really happy with your mix, the sand you're using, the cement, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, I would say when you when you get to that point, I don't. I think you find it pretty s- simple to swap out a single ad mixture that incorporates the three or four ingredient combination that you're using as an ad mixture now. That might be the simplest approach, you know, that that may be, yeah,
2: that may be the, that may be the better, better thing too. I mean, you know, I like the, the, the tear the bag and go thing too, especially, you know, if it, if it is, if it does get to the point where I have people in here that, that don't have the knowledge of reading a piece of paper and doing what it says it, you know, if I can just say just, I need two bags of this or three, you know, three bags, whatever, it makes it easier. But I still, if it's cheaper, For me to do the admix, or the you know the the admix, that may be something that we need to look into and and in the future and maybe move forward on that.
1: If you got a pallet worth of white cement, yeah, man, (laughs) I wouldn't be throwing that out either. You got to just give the admixture a shot. Bring that in for what you're doing. I can tell you, I mean, without changing a darn thing, the first thing that's going to happen. With rad mix you're going to get a much better workability and a you know much more efficient than where you're at at the moment. So just to begin with, whether we're talking dollars and cents, that's going to move you forward. And and ultimately that may be as far as you want to go. Right. That's I mean right. seriously, seriously because uh, that's just something we don't focus on enough. Really talking about the rad mix, but that may, I mean just a, from an admixture point of view, man, I'm telling you, you switch those out. You're gonna see your your plasticizer use drop, your water drop it's easier to mix it's easier and again from a one-man show point of view that's what I'm talking about uh, because that is what I'm doing Hence I got the experience using it and that's why I'm doing it yeah 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 um, I mean I got a question for you Brandon I mean you uh, right. be I'm gonna go BB uh, Browning <laughs> Do it. you know one man show you got a sizable shop. Projects going on. You're trying to find balance. We talked about mixers and this and that. You know, didn't? If I'm not mistaken, you just got married recently, didn't
2: you? Well, I'm I'm about to get married. Yes. Okay. End of, so in this relationship,
1: week. yeah. How are you stoking that balance? Very carefully. Very carefully. No,
2: I mean just. I mean, I, I've still got to. I mean, I still got to run my business. So, between being married and 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 running my business, just making sure I keep somebody
1: happy. That we're talking about, kinda. I, you know, I just you know one of the other issues that comes up a lot when we're talking to guys is I'm going to call it burnout. Right? You're in your yeah. shop X hours a day. You know, you uh, you're focused on these kind of things. Then you have personal life going on. You know, before I, I know for me anyway, before long, you know, you find yourself running down this rabbit hole of like, I don't want to either. I don't want to be a part of this or that, and what is it in your private life that you find keeps you motivated in I mean, what I you're think, doing?
2: I think it's, I mean, I think it's the people I surround myself with more than anything. Um, you know, she's super supportive of of what I do. My parents are super supportive of it. You know, it's, it, it's having that, you know, that network of people around you that that always tell you, you know, you know how awesome your work is, and you know, and even whenever you're you're in days where you're like. I'm tired of this shit. I'm, i I want to go home. You know, I don't want to work today. You got fifteen contractors going, where's my stuff? At the end of the day, one, you still got to keep your business rolling. And I've still got a family that I've got to provide for. So, you know, but having that support group and and them, you know, pushing me along and, and keeping me motivated, I mean, that's that's a big that's a big thing. I mean, you know, there's some people out there that they don't have that and you know you can find yourself in a slump and i and i was there i was there a couple of years ago when i went through my divorce four years ago you know it it, i went through a slump where i was like i don't even give a shit anymore i'm not one to quit either you know and i want i want to be the best at what i do i want to put good products out there so i you know I, i just try to stay focused and, and put as much positive in it as possible, even when everything's going bad, because I've taken something that people twelve years ago told me I was crazy because I was in the middle of the you know, economy downfall. I didn't know what I was doing, you know, when I and I tell people all the time, when I first started doing concrete, I didn't know how to mix concrete. I didn't I didn't know what was in concrete. But I've I've taught myself through the through the years to make sure that if I was going to do it, I'm going to do it the best I can. But, you know, back to your, you know, your question, I think having an awesome support group for those bad days is is definitely what's got me through some of my
1: rough times. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm the same. I, I mean, I find getting outside, outside my box is what I call it. My comfort zone I go back into designing things, or I mean, when I really start hitting a slump, that's some you know what I got to do is just break away, and then do a bunch of cocaine, <laughs> right? <And laughs> I mean, there's nothing wrong with
2: that. I mean, either that, bury yourself in the face in your face in some white Portland, and just you know you'll be good, uh-huh. good to go. But I mean, right, you know, get after it. I mean, yeah, and me and Dusty, you know, I talked to Dusty. A lot of people know me and Dusty are might as well be brothers, but I talk to him all the time, and he's like, "We have our dates." We're like, "I just don't. I don't want to be here. I don't, you know." And and sometimes you you do have to push yourself away from it and give yourself a day or two. It doesn't matter if you're as busy as you've ever been. If you're not, if your head's not in it, you're not going to do quality work. So you do have to push yourself away, and you have to Agreed. take a step back and say. You know, I need to, I need to, I need to go go fishing or play golf or whatever, so that I can clear my head to come back and and give the clients that I'm working for what they
1: pay for. That's a great point. And on that note, being a one man show, have you done anything unique to keep the shop full from a either a marketing perspective or?
2: I hadn't here lately. I've done some stuff around Jackson area. My my thing is is I do a lot of stuff in Memphis, where, which is 35 minutes away for me. 95% of my work is in Memphis. I probably do 5% in Jackson, and that's not – it's kind of hit, hit, hit and miss. But I don't do a lot of advertising. I've kind of fallen off of the whole social media thing. and kind of get – talk about burnout. I get burnout on social media. I mean, I feel like, you know, it just – it's you you've got 15 different directions to do social media now and it's like i don't even know which one i should be posting my stuff on anymore social media through the years has been has been a a key way for me to get my name out and then here in the last six months i've gotten more work off of instagram from people that have seen me in memphis off of instagram than anywhere you know and then I do a lot and I get a lot of word of mouth because I've done it for so long. A lot of my contractors and architects and, you know, return business, you know, I, I get a lot of return business. But but all of these people refer me to new clients or to new designers or whatever. But I think, I don't know, I I want to say it may have been Brandon that said it. You, I've heard him say it before. Or I don't know who said it, but, you know, I've always had in my mind. You do a shitty job, they'll tell 20 people. You do a good job, they'll tell 10. I try to make sure I do the best job I can so I don't get that that bad rap. So I have a ton of people that, that refer me on a daily basis.
0: Something about social media and you, Brandon, is not has to do with advertising, but just Facebook and all of this stuff, me and John kind of talk about this privately, is the tribalism in this industry. In a way, there's different camps and trash talking right. and people trying to tear other people down, either to to build themselves up or just to try to hurt other people's business or whatever. And uh, it's not unique to this industry. I mean, I have friends in all kinds of industries, and it doesn't matter what business you're in, there's that type of tribalism. It just exists. So we're not unique and concrete, but it still exists, and it's still one of those things that is kind of unfortunate. But years ago on Facebook, a certain group of guys started bashing Dusty, uh, bashing mm-hmm. his his aesthetic. And I remember you got on there and said, hey, guys, you know, no, no reason to talk. <laughs> We can meet up and throw fists and and sort this out. And every one of those guys is like, oh, hey, no, we're just joking around. I'm playing. I think someone called you up personally and apologized. Uh, But I love that about you is your dedication and loyalty to your friend, Dusty. That's rare these days. It's super rare to have a friend that will go to bat for you. Everybody's so afraid of of putting their neck on the line. But you're like, hey, screw you. You're not going to talk trash. I'm not going to let it slide. And I respect
2: that. Right, right, and and I mean, but you know, you talk, yeah, years ago, you know, back when I when I started in concrete, you know, it, and it wasn't it wasn't like that. Not that I could see. I mean, it seemed like everybody was was there to help everybody battle through whatever problem they were having. And then as years go on, it's it did start getting clicky and nichey, And then now you got this group and that group and this group. And then this group just talks about people's shit, but doesn't help anybody. And, you know, I just, I got away from all that. And I, and that, that was one of those things I just, I pushed away from because
1: yeah. you know,
2: if you know me, if you've been around me, you know, I'm a loyal person. You know, I'm a loyal person to people that are loyal and friends to me. You know, if, if 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 you're in my circle, then you're part of my family. And that's how I've always been. And, you know, from the time, from the first time um, I met at Duxton, you know, seen eye to eye, we know, you know, we, we both are on that same wavelength. You know, I think people have, I've had, you know, I heard people ask me before, you know, y'all should, y'all should get in together. Well, you know, I, I still don't think you should work with family either. So <laughs> he'd probably absolutely. say the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah.
0: So uh, about tribalism, because this is a topic of conversation that me and John have been wanting to kind of breach in a way, and there's really no good way to breach it. It exists. It exists in every industry. We don't – me and him try not to perpetuate any of that You know, in our classes, and you've been in our classes. When that Mm -hmm. kind of topic of conversation comes up, we make it a point to to shut it down and say, hey, whoever you're talking about, we like those guys. They do good work. There's no, there's no place in our class to, to kind of get that going. So we try our best not to perpetuate it, uh, but we, we would actually like to see it come to an end. I mean we want it to be the way it was when we first started where we're all in this together and we're all trying to help each other. Unfortunately, as time goes on and whether it's ego or people are trying to get a competitive advantage in business or whatever it is, there has become animosity and kind of this infighting. And, um, divisions, it doesn't have to be that way. You know, we can all, you can use this product or you can use this method or you can be friends with this guy. And that has nothing to do with me and you, you know, we're still, we're still cool. Like there's no reason for us to not like each other because you use a different product or you're friends with a certain person. Exactly. Exactly.
1: Yeah. You know, again, I, that's the other part of it. What we're calling the tribalism at the end of the day, There's so much of this social media platforms that I think that's part of it. You know, all of us act different when we get around each other because you get the the human side. You're looking at someone's face, you get, you know, the the dynamics and body language and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think too often what happens to any of us, if we really even you stand in front of the mirror and look at ourselves is when you read something, it's like a text, right? When you read this text, or in this case, somebody posts something somewhere the words that play in your head oftentimes come across based on whatever emotional state you are in that moment like why is this guy being a jerk to me man what's this all about and and maybe they were joking but in your head when you read it, it didn't come across that way and then quite frankly you know if that joke comes across as in some way you know hurting my business or hurting my income or whatever the case may be whether you intended it or not you know that be, then becomes personal You know, you take it personal and that's the difficulty with so much of this kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, I think what John talked about too right there is you're right. A lot of people might be joking around, but that joking around, if it affects your income, it, it does become personal because you have kids, John, I have kids, Brandon, you have kids. If somebody's saying something that directly affects your ability to take care of your family, that's a personal thing. And I think too much of the time people make these offhand comments to try to throw you under the bus, jokingly, not understanding like, Hey, your jokes have real world implications to my ability to take care of my, my little girls.
2: Right. And depending on what platform they're using to do their joke, you know, depends on if the public sees it or if it's just your, your co-peers see it. So, you know, if it's a platform where it's public to the public and it's a, A knock at your business, then it does. It does directly affect more than just you. It 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 affects your family. It affects your business. So, you know, that's you know, that's
1: one of the downfalls of social media. Agreed, hundred percent. I mean, it has a butterfly effect. Mm -hmm. It is is the way it is. I I can't remember who. Well, actually, I do. I'm just not going to use your name. (laughs) (laughs) I remember. You know, there was uh, some comments made by a person same thing, I called him privately afterwards, but in a sealer conversation, right? I mean, obviously, I've been involved with sealer for many years, jokingly, but it was just this joke was put in, it just in my opinion, in the wrong time came out like, you know, john doesn't know what he's talking about, you know, blah, 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 you don't need to don't don't follow this and etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. And I was like, wait a minute, man. And that's what I call like, you realize that you may, that may have been a joke, but that's where you ended it. There was nothing beyond that conversation. So, if that stops somebody forever investigating my technology and the kind of chemistry I offer, you just put a big black mark on my business. And that's how I feed my family. And that, that's then, then it, like I said, then I internalized it and it became very personal, you know, right. which then makes you want to lash out. So, uh, and that's something I've dealt with for years.
0: The last thing on my list here, one man shop is is flipping pieces. So how do you accomplish flipping a a big
2: Island or whatever by yourself? Um, I mean, for the most part, I mean, some of my, some of my pieces, I mean, I've got gantry cranes and, and hoist on I beams over my tables for the most part. Sometimes I don't like using those, but yeah, I've got, I've got a lot of friends and you know I you know I can I have certain ones I can call and be like, hey, you in the area, I need to flip this, dude and and ninety percent of the time they'll be here in twenty minutes and help me move it. You know, help me flip it over. I've even got a couple of guys now, you know, a couple of my friends that that work different shifts during the week and you know, I've gotten to where they help me do installs. I set my installs up according to their schedule. You know, I don't gotcha. sit, I don't, I don't have them schedule their stuff around me. I, I schedule myself around them. Um, and it, and it's worked out good, you know, it, and it may come and, and I know there's going to come a time where I'm going to get to the point where I just don't want to do it all of my stuff. And I'm going to have to, you know, hopefully this, whatever's going on right now will, will lift. And there'll people that there'll be people that want to work. And, and get somebody in here and train them and because I had a guy up until the first of summer I had a guy that's been with me for two and a half years he you know he was in his mid 50s and I mean I could not have found a better employee but he 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 was just to the point where he was you know kind of getting that he was wanting to do something different he, he was getting a little bit older the weight you know he was tired of you know the heavy lifting all the time and he found a job that that accompanied that and i and I was, you can't be mad at you can't be mad at somebody for bettering themselves but you still have to push forward and keep your business going and that's however that may be and that's you know what i'm doing right now just trying to adapt to my situation well a forklift do you have a forklift i don't have a forklift now i've got like the guys next to me they do and i and i have used theirs their forklift a little bit the thing with my shop is if i am doing big pieces i can't really use a forklift because i have i mean my my ceilings are only 12 foot so if i do get something really big a forklift's not going to work because it's going to hit the top rafters before i get it completely vertical gotcha Um, so it kind of presents a problem too and i mean i have the same problem with gantry cranes too but i mean i've gotten really good at sliding you know we slid a a seven foot by 12 foot island off the edge of my table onto the floor flipped it and then put it back on the table so i mean (laughs) if you if you you think if you sit back it may take you two days it may it's for me sometimes it takes me three days to be like damn i've still got to flip that thing how am I going to do it? I mean, just you, you think about it, you know, I, you know, I call Dusty, call your peers and, and be like, look, I got this to do. How am I going to do it? Because I don't, uh, forklift or I don't have the room to flip it with a, with a gantry crane and find that, figure it out, you know, find yeah. that, that, idea and, and, and bounce those ideas until you do come up with the concept that works. So, yeah. I mean, we've done that a few times. And it and it works.
0: The good thing about a forklift is in my opinion, because I had a forklift and then I got rid of it and then I got another one. For what I'd pay an employee, you can buy a forklift pretty quick. You know, because labor is one of your biggest expenses. Yeah. you paying an employee twenty bucks an hour, it doesn't take very long for that to add up where you buy a, a used forklift. But a forklift, it offers so many opportunities to work by yourself. For what you're saying there, I've so many times I have torsion box tables but they're separate from the base that i cast on but i've used the forklift to pick up the table that i cast on set it down on the ground to flip it because ergonomically it's way easier to flip a piece that's on the ground and it is 36 inches up in the air right so then we don't even need the forklift because now we can pull it out we can lift it you know using essentially our legs to lift with and flip it up and over and then use the forklift to pick up the whole torsion box again and put it back on the table base and there you go and we did it safely and nobody was in danger of being hurt or you can lower it down and then hook straps to it, and use a forklift to flip it. But either way, I think a forklift is a really, really good tool that when it makes sense to buy one, it definitely makes life easier for sure.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Now I, I joke, I joke, Dustin, I joke with Dusty all the time about his. I tell him, I, I tell him I'm just waiting for him to, to buy a new one so he can re <laughs> his old one to me. <laughs> well, is there anything else you want to talk about, Brandon? I think we covered a lot. I don't really know of anything else I could talk about.
0: All right, Brandon. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you, buddy. And it's
2: been fun. It's been fun. I'm glad glad we did it. Glad you reached out to
0: me. And we'll uh, catch up again soon. Okay. Good deal. All right, good deal. All
2: right. Talk to you later, Brandon. Good talking to you, man. (laughs) You too, John. All right. right. Bye-bye.